Well, we've been in a series. I'm Pastor Bill Klein, by the way. For those of you who don't know me, my wife Debbie's sitting down here in the front. And um, we're on, I'm on the deacon board. I'm, I'm uh, serving with Pastor Matt and Pastor Rick in that capacity. And uh, we, just, we just love serving this church, love being a part of what God's doing here. And for the past several weeks, Pastor Kurt and uh, Emily also taught on what Jesus is in the series called Encounter Jesus. And so we started out by learning that he's our Messiah. And this is an important thing for us to understand because most of us did not grow up Jewish expecting a Messiah. We, we grew up kind of semi-sort of Christian if you grew up in the United States. And you didn't necessarily have an expectation of a Messiah, someone who would come and save us and turn things around um, in our favor and, and bring us into relationship with God. And Jesus is our God. Jesus also had to be a man while he was here on the earth because he could not have done all these things as God and have the meaning that had to be there for us. I don't have time to explain all of that, but the reason that he was born of a virgin was because his nature had to come from God the Father. It couldn't have come from a man, a human man, because then he would have had the same nature you and I had. What good would that be? Well, I don't know. Some of you may think your nature is pretty good. No, it's not. According to the Word of God, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, Jesus is our Lord. He's also... Our peace, that was when Pastor Emily spoke, part five, and that really hit me because I'd had a dream, I'll tell you about a little bit later, about peace. Jesus is our bridegroom, very meaningful for those who are pursuing him, and he's our friend. This series could go on and on forever and ever. I've got a few more titles I'd like to toss out there for you to consider. He is our source and um, source of life because he's the creator. He's also our substitute, the one who paid atonement for us on the cross. He's our high priest. The priest is the one who is lifting the people up to God. The prophet speaks to the people on behalf of God. And Jesus is both for us. He is both prophet and priest, but he's our high priest. He's the advocate, which means lawyer. And I want you to know he's never lost a case. Not one. And he never will. I don't care how bad you've been, Your lawyer will argue before the court of heaven, and the verdict will be not guilty. It's guaranteed because the lawyer and the judge, they know each other. And that's a good thing for us. Amen. Well, he's our hope, which gives us a powerful assurance of a positive outcome. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's also our Redeemer, the one who paid the debt that we couldn't pay. We didn't have any ability to pay. And that set us free from slavery to sin, the flesh, and the devil. He's our healer who binds up our broken hearts, and he he makes us whole. Amen? He's our righteousness. And that's not just a sign that he comes and hangs on you. Debbie, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. No, wait a minute. Think about that. He puts righteousness in you who had no righteousness, and you become his righteousness in Christ. That's an amazing thing. The gospel doesn't make any sense, and it's not fair. It's not fair. The poor devil, he's working so hard to convince everyone how worthless they are. And God, all he has to do is show you a little piece of information. Your righteousness is not coming from what you do. It it comes from what Jesus did. Amen? He's also the baptizer. And he baptizes us in his spirit and in fire. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. We could go on and on and on forever. I think uh, uh, this series could probably never end. Uh, As I was seeking the Lord about today, uh, he gave me this title um, for the series, Jesus is Our Deliverer. And... I believe that deliverance is included in the word Messiah, but it's also, it's included in the, in the word sozo, which he came to do. He came to sozo us from our sins and sozo means to save, heal, deliver, and make whole. So 
My goal is to help you see the importance of knowing Jesus as your deliverer and to know to know him experientially. And this isn't a very important thing for, for us to understand that how do we experientially know him in any of these things, especially as our deliverer? The word experiential knowledge in the Greek is the word gnosko, and it speaks of relational knowing. It speaks of being in relationship with. There was another kind of knowing. It was called Ido knowing, and I always go like this, Ido. Jesus said, if you had known me relationally, you would have Ido known the Father. In other words, by watching me, Jesus, you understand who the Father is. Jesus said, he and the Father are one. And then he said, from this point onward, because this is just before his crucifixion, he said, you will gnosko the Father. So we need this gnosko experiential knowledge of God, and there's only one to get it, only one way to get it, and that's in daily relationship with him. Amen? Good. There's two or three in agreement with us there, Deb. Boy. Okay. I thought I had that in 1980 when I got saved. And um, I went to church that Sunday morning scared to death because I thought God was at his control panel. And I got this from, from Gary Larson of, you know, the, uh, the far side. And, you know, his picture of God is the long white hair and the squinty eyes and long beard and God sitting at his control panel. And he's watching on the control panel Bill and his hand is about to hit the smite button. That's what I thought God wanted to do with me. That's the kind of God that I believed he was. So I wanted to, when I went to church, I went in the fear, the wrong fear, okay? I didn't know that. Well, that morning, I received Jesus as my Lord. I, I came into agreement with the message from heaven that Jesus is Lord, and I confessed him as my Lord. And within a few weeks after that, I had a three-pack-a-day cigarette habit broken. Just boom. Just like that. Also, I was struggling with, with um, weekend drunkenness. I wasn't an alcoholic, bless God. I only got drunk on the weekends. They call that binge drinking. Okay, that's binge alcoholism because what you do is you reach for that alcohol to make you feel good and make you feel comforted and make you feel strong or look right or be funny in front of people so you could feel free, but that's a false form of comfort. That's a false identity. You don't want to walk in that guy. I got free of that. There's a whole bunch of other stuff I got free I'm not going to tell you about. I don't have time. I was delivered, but I wasn't free. My self-image was really rotten. I felt completely unworthy in God's presence. It did not deserve his love. So <clears throat> what do you do when you don't have what you want? You go to work and prove that you deserve it. Anybody else grow up in the home I grew up in? That's what we were taught. We were taught, hey, do your chores or you don't get your, uh, uh, your you won't have the, uh, what's the word that we... They allowance. You're not going to get paid. Okay? So we all learn how to be good performers. And believe me, there is a, there, there's a good thing about being a performer if you do it with the right heart. All right? I don't have time to go off into that right now, but the whole world is kind of getting messed up on this one right now. Nobody wants to perform. Nobody wants to do their job. Well, anyway, God doesn't need you to perform for him. He doesn't want you to. He does want you to be obedient but he wants you to be obedient out of relationship. He wants the obedience and the things that you do to flow out of knowing him. Okay? Does that make sense? And, and it, it doesn't flow because of the, of the way your mom or your dad was. You know, my mom used to do this, get a hold of my ear and say, get over here and get this done, get this done. That's not how he is. Okay? It's because he loves me and he cares about me, and that love penetrates me and it motivates me. Amen. Well, I had to overcome this rotten view of myself, and I was working really hard to do it. And I also had a couple of other things going on for me. I was a great performer, I was also a perfectionist. If I couldn't do it right, don't do it at all. 
Well, what that made me do was become a, a, pro, a, a, a procrastinator. So I was a perfectionistic procrastinator. If I couldn't do it right, I wouldn't do it at all. I just put it off and put it off and put it off. I needed deliverance. I had no idea because I thought this is how everybody lived. I was determined to prove to God that he, he needed to accept me. Here's how we... Yeah, skip that. Um, <laughs> I want to explain some insights I've gained over years and uh, help you with these tips if I can. And knowing your identity in Christ is going to be one of the keys to having this experiential knowledge of who Jesus is. In 1990, we were living in New Hampshire, and God used Hewlett-Packard, my employer at the time, to move us to New Hampshire. We didn't want to be there, but we thoroughly engaged, poured our heart into it, joined a church, really got involved. And uh, I was, remember, I'm performing for God. I'm doing all the right things. I'm doing it perfectly, doing the best I can to prove that I'm worthy of his love. And one day he said to me, I don't know where I was when this happened. Lord, where was this? He says it was on the way to work. And I was on the way to work, driving to work, because I was a good performer at HP. And um, he said, Bill, you don't know me. Yeah, that was my reaction. Whoa, what are you talking about? And I argued with him. <laughs> I think that laughing means you've done the same thing, right? Yeah. Oh, I was, and I was good in my arguments. I, I'm a good debater. And I debated with him. I knew stuff about God that you don't know. And I, because I had studied and I was in a class series, The Seven Sayings of the Savior on the Cross. I love that series. It's a great, uh, great book. And again, he'd just say, he'd just say to me, I'd argue with him. He'd say, You don't know me. Well, finally, with my arguing, he showed me what I knew was information about him. I had been really diligent to learn facts and information about him, and it broke my heart. And I repented, and I said, Lord, I don't know you, and this is key, I don't know how to know you. Will you help me? And he immediately answered, of course I will. And those words were so freeing, it was all I needed because I knew he'd keep his word. I knew that much about him, but I didn't know how he was going to do it. I just had to trust him. I just had to trust him. So a few nights later, this is what happened. I don't recall how long it was, but I remember waking up in the middle of the night, and on my clock by my bed, it said 333. I was wide awake. My brain is going 90 miles an hour. Three, that's the number of the Trinity. Three threes together, that's nine. There's fruit of, the, fruit of the Spirit and all this stuff. And you know how your brain works, right? And it never dawned on me that he was right there. And he said, Bill, you said you wanted to know me. Get out of bed. Now, we had one of those full flotation water beds. I got out of bed carefully because I didn't want to throw my wife overboard, okay? I picked up my Bible, picked up my um, a Strong's Concordance, and I headed for uh, the living room downstairs with my notepad because I wanted to know him. I got down there. It's quiet. We're about 10 miles away from the beach in uh, Rye Beach. I could hear the foghorn, and I thought that was wonderful, and I'm sitting there, man, what do I do now? I don't know how to know him. And all of a sudden, I remembered this story of the high priest telling Samuel, who was a little boy, and he was being awakened by the voice of the Lord. And he said to Samuel, he said, the next time this happens, just say, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm here to hear your voice. And I said, well, that's good. That, that'll work for me. Lord, your servant is here listening. I want to hear your voice. And boom, he spoke to me. And he immediately, he gave me a scripture. I looked it up. I wrote it down in the notebook. He gave me a couple more scriptures. He told me to give him my petitions, my prayers for what I would like to see changed in the world so that I could be happy. 
Isn't that how we pray? Well, that's how I used to pray. Now I ask him, what do you want me to pray for? And I pray according to his will, and I know that it'll be done. Well, anyway, he told me things were going to happen that day as I was going to work, things that would come to pass, and they did, and it shook me up. And sometimes sometimes he told me not to do something, and so I'd get into a meeting, and this certain person got, got angry, and I just sat there in silence like the Lord told me, And everybody in the room's looking at me like, Klein, what are you going to do? Klein, what are you going to do? You never let this person get angry like that. You always come back at them. Not so today. Holy Spirit says, be quiet. Just like mom. Only not like mom. (laughs) (laughs) And I had the grace to be quiet. It was a good thing, too, because... I learned a couple days later, I found out that that person who got, quite, who got really angry, and I used to come back at her because we were in different departments and we were going back and forth at each other, and I sat there in silence that day. I found out she had been promoted above me. And you never, ever go at someone who is above you. Don't ever do that. It just doesn't work. Okay? You need to be able to be honest with people and tell people how you feel about something and and don't be fearful of your position or anything like that. But it was a good thing that I kept my mouth shut that morning. So this starts going on almost day after day, never on the Sabbath. I didn't say that in the last service, but God never woke me up on the Sabbath morning. And I, I couldn't figure out why, and I've never talked to him about it, but I suspect it's because he wants us to rest. And so I would stay in bed usually beyond my usual wake-up time. I I would stay, uh, I would usually get up around 5.30 to 6, but I'd stay in bed until 6.30 or 7 on on, uh, the Sabbath day. Sometimes he would wake me up at 1.1.1, sometimes 2.2.2, sometimes 3.3.3, was just five minutes before my wake-up time. And I know what you're thinking. Did I ever see 666 on my clock? No. No. That would have freaked me out. (laughs) One morning I got out of bed. This had been going on for several weeks. I got out of bed, and I'm still performing for God. As he's given me details of what to do and what not to do and all that stuff. This is wonderful. And I got down to the living room, and I sat down, and I I knew the routine. Lord, your servant is here to hear your voice. And he said, Bill, I love you. And I said, I know you do. Do you have a scripture for me? And he said, Bill, I love you. Lord, do you want to show me what's going to happen today? And the third time, Bill, I love you, broke my heart. And I sat there weeping crying. And I let a little bit of his love penetrate me. Not a lot, because after all, I hadn't performed yet. But he was working on me, and he was building capacity in me to receive his love. And some of you has been trying to do this with you, but you don't let him do it. You want everything now, and he can do that. He can give you everything now. But some of you need to let him build patience, build capacity, build the ability to engage with him fully. Eventually, the performer and the the perfectionistic procrastinator, we got rid of them, I think. If they try to come back in, um, the Holy Spirit is usually there quickly to tell me not to partner with those guys. And... I found out over the last 30 years that when I speak to him, he responds. Oh my goodness, I never had that experience before because my prayers were always begging prayers. I was always begging the God who was sitting there ready to smite me. That's the wrong guy. That's not your father God. So don't pray to him, okay? Your father God is waiting to embrace you and to fill you with his love, and to answer your prayers, and to fill you up with confidence and hope and peace. Sometimes I come to him. I, I don't hear a voice, by the way. I don't hear, uh, I don't hear voices. I, I just, you know. Yeah, that's a good thing, isn't it? 
I have a knowing. I'll ask God a question, and I have a knowing. That's all I can explain. I don't know how I know, but I just know what the answer is. And uh, sometimes I'll bring a question to him, and he'll say, not now, later. He, wants, he has a different thing he wants to talk about. And many times, he said this to me. I get in the morning, and I'll get up, and I'm spending time with the Lord. And, and I, I start out with a question, and, and he just goes, shh, quiet. Let me love you. Oh, Lord, you know how hard that is. Son, be quiet and let me love you. Do I have to say it three times? No, you don't, Father. Okay, open my heart a little more. Oh, that feels pretty good. I found out he's the kindest being ever. I've never met anyone as kind as he had. And you know, my grandmother, when I was a kid, she was the kindest person I ever knew. And um, Father God is far kinder than she ever was. Father God is also, you know, when you go to Chick-fil-A, I know it's getting about time, but we've got a little while here. You go, well, not Sunday. You can't go in on Sunday, can you? No, too bad. Um, so when you go into Chick-fil-A and you thank them for what they're doing and they say, my pleasure. Did you know the word of God says it's Father's pleasure to give you his kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost? It's my pleasure. And when you say to him, Father, thank you, Father, and the response is, my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Well, anyway, he never condemns me. He never makes me feel bad. He, even when he's disciplining me, and he can discipline rather firmly. I won't say it's harsh, but it's firm. And even when he's doing that, it's always in love. And he never makes me feel bad about my failures. Instead, this is what happens. He points me to Jesus. And I remember what Jesus has done for me, that he was on that cross, that he paid for all my sin, that every error I've ever had in my life was taken care of, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And then Jesus dusts me off of whatever I've failed at, and he gives me hope, that powerful expectation of a positive uh, outcome. He takes me to Father. And every time he takes me to Father God, Father God is sitting there smiling, waiting for me. And sometimes he's even laughing. One time I ask, are you laughing at me? He says, not at you, son, with you. Yeah. He said, you give me such joy. Can you believe that, God? You give God joy? No. Some of you need to notify your face. <laughs> a father God tells me that I'm his precious son. That's identity and value. And then he, he just puts a wave of the Spirit over me. The Holy Spirit graces me. The Spirit comforts me, teaches me, guides me, always points me back to Jesus. I call this a dance. And uh, it's a never-ending cycle and this is what God does. This is the Lord our God who is one, the one who wants relationship with you. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to show you that I didn't develop the relationship. He did. He was the one who called me and said, you don't know me. And he called me out of that. And he had to wake me up in the morning. And by the way, if you ever wake up in the morning, regardless of the time on the clock, and you're wide awake, just get out of bed. Okay, grab your Bible, go sit down. You can do what I did and say, Lord, I'm here to hear your voice and see what happens. This is called practicing his presence. In our modern vernacular, it's more like um, developing intimacy of relationship. And that's what I'm really talking about. And I'm talking about trusting him. He is no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for you. Amen. So I had a vivid dream some months ago. I don't have time to go into all the details of it. But in my dream, God had given me this peace meter. And it was just kind of a funky little box. It was kind of black. And you would walk up and you would touch it. And somehow the technology in this thing was such that it recognized your fingerprint and it knew what your peace level was. 
and then it told you what your peace level was, and it didn't tell you what caused your peace level to be at a 5 or a 4 or a 3, wherever it was, instead of a 10. It didn't tell you why, but it told you how to get your peace level up. And the answer was always the same. I'm going to tell you what the answer was. Because God said, Bill, I want you engaged in helping people identify their peace eaters and their peace blockers. I want to deal with those things so that they can live at a higher level of peace. We live in a crazy world, don't we? Oh my gosh, all you got to do is look at the news. If you're looking at the news, you need deliverance. Amen? Because you're not going to find anything living on that TV or in the current news. And so you've got to go to someone who can give you the good news and find out what he has to say about all this stuff. So I do this in Sozo ministry one-on-one, and I like that, um, to be able to help people like that. But today, you're the one-on-ones with me. So God gave me this opportunity to kind of bring you into his presence and to meet Jesus our peace. When you recognize how the enemy is eating your peace or blocking you from having what God wants you to have, here's what you do. It's really simple. You might want to write it down if you need to. Submit unto God. Get his plan. Resist the devil, and he flees. That's it. That's just what Jesus did. He's in the, he was in the desert of testing. He submitted to God going into the de- desert because when the Holy Spirit came on him after the bapti- ap- baptism, he heard the voice of God say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit takes him into the desert and says, son, we're going to go out there and, and you're going to fast for 40 days. Don't take any food with you. We're going to provide a picnic at the end of this. And sure enough, there was a group of angels that came at the end when the fast was done, and they had a picnic on the desert. But until that time, Jesus had to face the enemy so that we could be delivered, because the enemy was going to test him in the three areas of human weakness, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three areas that we all get tested in, and Jesus defeated him in each one of those areas. And you know, you need to understand the Holy Spirit was not, was not like fluttering over Jesus and going, wringing his wings going, Oh, Father, I hope he gets the answers right. I hope he does this. No, the Holy Spirit of power and might, the Spirit of God was within him, Jesus the man. And when the enemy tempted him to turn stones into bread... Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every rhema word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is how we are to live, rhema words. I want to go back to the story. I think I have time to do this. Oh, dear God. It's 12-12. Yes, Lord, I hear you. We will, we will tell this story. When Mary, when the angel came to her and said, you're going to be pregnant... And she said to the angel, how can, how can this be so, seeing that I have not known a man? And the angel said to her, no rhema of God can fail. That's not in your English translations. It says in the English, with God nothing's impossible. Well, that's true too. But no rhema of God can fail. When God speaks to you personally, that's a rhema word. You can take it to the bank. Now, the banker might not listen to you. Um, you've heard from God, but that's okay. The God's, God told me I'm a rich man. Give me some money. No, they might not do that. But what I mean by this is that a word from the Lord will be performed. God watches over his rhema words to perform them. Okay, so let's keep moving here. In this dream, lots of people got delivered. Lots of people came up touching the peace meter to find out what their level was. And one of the people in the dream, I actually prophesied to this person. I know know her name, and I'm not even going to say that. But I prophesied to her that the reason reason her peace wasn't higher than it was, it was just a little bit lower than near the top. And the only reason was she didn't know how to release 
everything that she was carrying to God and let God bring it to pass. So in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, it tells us here, do not worry about anything. Well, that's easy for him to say, isn't it? Do any of you spend any time worrying? Don't put your hand up. I wouldn't see it anyway. I'm blinded by these lights. I'm guilty. I learned from a world-class worrier, my mom. And um, she had some worrying skills, believe me, and she passed them on to me. And, and I used to be a worrier. But look what the Word says. On the contrary, instead of worrying, make your requests known to God by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Then God's shalom, passing all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with Messiah Yeshua. And so the way to do that is to bring those concerns and cares to the Lord and give them to the Lord. I even go so far as to write them down. I have a list. I'll keep a list. I'll go back 30 days ago. Oh, yes, there's the list. And, oh, that first, whoa, wow, you answered that first one. Thank you, Lord. That's off the list now. Number two, it looks like you still need to do some work on that one. So I'm going to leave that on the list, Lord. And I'm going to trust you to bring it past and so on and so forth. I'll get down about 15 or 16 things on the list, pray over it, hand it to him and say, I know you're working. I know that you'll bring your will to pass. I'm not going to spend a minute worrying about these things. Now, 30 years ago, I would hand him my list, and as soon as I handed it to him, oh boy, I hope he answers those prayers. I hope he, especially that third one, I hope he gets that one taken care of. No, instead of trusting, I would go back to my worry model. You don't need to worry. You really don't. God's got you covered. He's got it all taken care of. Amen. Shalom makes no sense. This peace that makes no sense, don't ignore it. If you have peace that makes no sense, don't ignore it. Enjoy it. Talk to God. Worship God with it. I can hear someone thinking, just like Jesus did. No. <laughs> yeah, this works for you, Pastor Bill, but it's not going to work for me. It's just too easy. Besides, this is only temporary, and I need something that's more permanent. Yeah, you need deliverance. You need to be delivered from what causes you to believe that God's peace is not enough. And he'll bring it. Just trust him. Here is a short list of things that you need to know that you're delivered from or that you can be delivered from. The first one is called fear. Fear is all over our world right now. Fear of all kinds. Fear of punishment, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of being alone, fear of never measuring up, never being good enough, fear of getting COVID, fear of not being healed, fear of something not working out like you need or expect, fear that you fill in your blank. This is my list. This list was dealt with over these years that I have interacted with perfect love. And perfect love closes that door of fear. So you don't make decisions out of fear. You make decisions based on love. You don't spend a, a moment worrying about anything because you know that perfect love has it covered. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do today is to surrender your fears to him. And just let him know, Father, I am scared to death of this or that or the other thing, and I want to hand it to you. The second thing that we need deliverance from is that unhealthy self-image, that wrong identity. The devil's working so hard to lie to us all about who we are. And you just need to know that who you are in Christ is everything God wants you to be. There isn't anything you're lacking. There's nothing you're missing, that you are completely whole in him. You just don't know it yet. And finally, the third thing is, when you got born again, if you're born again, that means that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and he has put his spirit within you, that when that happens, you are no longer a sinner saved by grace. You become a son or a daughter 
who still has the ability to make bad decisions. Because when you're born again, you're not given a brand new soul. You're not given a brand new body. You're given a new spirit. And that spirit in you is the one who will lead you to overcome and to bring you into the fullness that he has for you. Amen? So when we're born again, we become new creatures, the Bible says. New creatures. That means that we are never before seen creation. I think Matt alluded to this in the first service, saying something about that when we, when we come in to worship God, there is no one else on this planet like you. I could tell that got you excited. That should get you excited. No one has these fingerprints. Just me. He gave them to me. No one has the ability to interact with him in relationship like me. You will interact with him in relationship in the way he gave it to you. And he wants that relationship because he's really, really big. And you know something? He wants that relationship because he paid a high price for it. He paid the ultimate price. There are three things we need to understand as new creatures. And hopefully I can wrap up with this. We are no longer under the control of the prince of the power of the air. You've got to get a hold of that, and you've got to believe it with all your heart. Ephesians 2.1 says, You used to be dead because of your sins and acts of disobedience. You walked in the ways of the olam hazeh, the world, and you obeyed the ruler of the powers of the air, who is still at work among the disobedient. Indeed, we all once lived this way. We followed the passions of our old nature, We obeyed the wishes of our old nature and our own thoughts. In our natural condition, we were headed for God's wrath, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and loves us with such intense love that even when we were dead because of our acts of disobedience, He brought us to life with Messiah. It is by grace that you have been delivered. It's one of the reasons I like the uh, complete Jewish Bible version, because that word, been delivered there, is sozo. And in the King James, it says saved. Well, if you think you're saved, that's good. You need to be saved. But there's more to it than just saved. There's saved, healed, delivered, and made whole. And instead of just asking people, when did you get saved? We should ask, Are you healed? Are you delivered? Are you whole? Because when you are all sozoed, when you got the whole pack, then you're going to look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus. When you pray for the sick, the sick are going to get healed. When you cast out demons, they're going to go. When you raise the dead, they're going to come up. I haven't raised a dead person yet. Anybody here done that? There could be. I mean, I I know that it's happening. It's intermittent. It's not like when Jesus was on the planet. And I believe that the more we work with him to work out our sozo, our salvation, with fear and trembling before him, I don't cringe before God anymore. The thing that I fear is that my Father has paid for everything I need, and I don't want to miss one thing he paid for. I don't want to walk away leaving one thing that he paid for me to have. I want to have it all because he wants me to have it all. Amen? Well, grace is freely given to us, freely received. Look at this one in Luke 10. It says, remember, I have given you authority so you can trample down uh, snakes and scorpions. It's easier for me to read from the page here. All the enemy's forces, and you will remain completely unharmed Nevertheless, don't be glad that the spirits submit to you. Be glad that your names have been recorded in heaven or written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. The second point you absolutely have to get straight is that he has delivered us from the power of our fallen nature, and he's given us his own nature, the one he walked in in the world when he was here, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now I know that doesn't make any sense. How could Christ walk with Christ in me, the hope of glory? He did it by the Spirit of God, the same way you and I have to do it. He emptied himself according to the Scripture. 
He emptied himself of being, I don't know, it's hard to say. He was fully God when he was on the earth, but he had emptied himself and submitted to being a man. I've got the scripture for that in a minute, but we're going to skip it. We're going to read this. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Since we have this great Kohen Gadol, high priest, who has passed through to the highest heaven, Yeshua, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we acknowledge as true. For we do not have a high priest unable to empathize with our weaknesses, since in every respect he was tempted just as we are. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. The only difference being he did not sin. Therefore, let us confidently approach the throne from which God gives grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Do you see that? It does not say, get your act together so you can come to the throne and get grace. No, he got our act together for us so that in him we can come before the throne. One time before I knew this, before I had this revelation, I said to Father God, Father God, your, your throne room is a scary place. You've got angels and cherubim and seraphim flying around and shouting, holy, 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 and there's fire and smoke and all this stuff going on in the, um, in the, prayer, uh, in the throne room. Could I come in a back door? And just get some grace from, your, from the back of your throne. And he said, no, son, you need to come in with the family. Come into the front, because Jesus has made that a place for us to come in boldly to get grace in time of need. Amen? Amen. Now hear me carefully. The only reason that we still mess up is because we don't believe our needs are met. And we're not aware of it because you don't know what you don't know. Jesus grew up knowing he was special. He had to. He had a Jewish mom who got pregnant when she was a teenager and she was still a virgin. And the angel spoke to her and told her all this stuff. How could she not pass that on to him? It's not recorded in the Bible that she did. But how could she keep silent and not tell her son he was special? And the dad, Joseph, was going to put her away and break the betrothal. And the angel came to him and said, no, no, no. The child she's carrying is holy. You will name him Yeshua, which is God saves. For he will sozo, heal, deliver, and make whole his people from their sins. How could that Jewish father not tell Jesus he was special? Now, I don't know. Because the word doesn't show us. So this is just speculation. But I do know, I do know that in most Jewish families, the mom and dad are so pumped up about their kids that they're telling their kids all the time, you're special. You're going to grow up and be a doctor. You're going to be a lawyer. (laughs) Whatever. Stuff like that. You're going to be a great scientist. Whatever it is. Again, I don't know that that happened, but I know that there was one little glimpse into this when Jesus was stayed back in town on one of the festivals, and three days later, Mary or Joseph realized, oh my gosh, Jesus isn't with us. And so they went all the way back to uh, Jerusalem to to hunt for him, and they finally found him. It took another three days. They found him in the temple, and he said, didn't you realize I needed to be about my father's business? So already at age 12, he hasn't had a bar mitzvah yet or anything. He knows that he is something special. He's not to be about Joseph's business, which is being a carpenter, but his father's business about handling the word and becoming all the things that he was going to become. Well, anyway, we didn't grow up with that. I don't know about you, but I know as a little kid, I knew, I knew God's presence was kind of round, around about me. I, I don't know why I knew that. Um, just grace, mercy. Um, but for me, God was like a blinking Christmas, Christmas tree bulb. He was on sometimes, and he was off a lot. On sometimes, and off a lot. Remember the one I grew up believing was in heaven? Smite Bill. And so, thank God that's not him. If we understood our needs and we came to God and got all of our needs met, we would be exactly like Jesus. 
And here are the human needs that we all have. We're all born with these needs. Jesus, as a man, had all of his needs met. And we're getting there. We're getting closer and closer all the time. He knew his identity and value. He knew that who his provider was. He knew who his protector was. His need for communication and fellowship with peers. You know, you're my peers. I'm not above you on a, pla- on a, on a pedestal, so don't put me on a pedestal. I don't want to live on a pedestal. I'm with you in the sheepfold. And I just happen to have an opportunity to get to speak to you, which is awesome and, and a wonderful uh, honor. But you are my peers. Jesus' peers are Father God and Holy Spirit. And he knew he was accepted to, uh, with them. We, need a ne- we have this need to be accepted in the community, and Jesus makes us acceptable. Amen? We also have a need to feel comforted, trained, guided in the journey. Jesus had that same need as a man. And that need is fulfilled by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. The need for power, because as a man, he couldn't do any of that stuff. He had to do it in partnership with the Spirit of God. And so just like us, Jesus said in John 15, 5, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he says at the end of that verse in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not going to ask for a raising of hands. I couldn't see who raises their hands anyway because I'm blinded by these lights. But I think I have a whole bunch of nothing in my past since 1980 and I was saved. There's probably going to be a bonfire at the judgment seat when I stand there. But I'm not worried about it because I know Jesus took care of that stuff. And I know that if he has any jewels or gems or a crown for me, that I will receive it at his judgment seat because we won't stand there and be judged for sin that was taken care of on the cross amen amen you need to get that one down listen to this holy spirit told me this this morning unmet needs cause unwanted deeds the things we do to meet our needs are the stuff that we shouldn't be doing because we don't trust god we don't believe that he'll meet our needs And right after the first service, a brother came up to me and told me that when COVID started, he was disconnected from the body like many of us were. And he said he began to pick up some of his old habits. And he started drinking too much. And and during the course of that, God delivered him. Thank God. God restored him. And he found out that alcohol was not his comforter. Alcohol doesn't make him powerful. Alcohol doesn't set him free. Only Jesus does. And only the Spirit of God can do that for us. And look at Philippians 4, 19 and uh, 20. It says here, Moreover, my God will fill every need of yours according to his glorious wealth, in union with Messiah Yeshua. And to God our Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So God wants to meet these needs so that you can... Be victorious over the enemy who wants to steal your peace and block you from walking in it. So, how do you do this? Well, number one, I've shown you one way, is let him draw you into that conversational relationship. Don't you try to make it happen. If you come up with all the ways that you think it should happen, you'll probably be wrong. And uh, he just wants to meet with you and hang out with you. So that's one way to go. Ah, Jesus, I'm going to skip that. Jesus knew what to do in the garden, in the, uh, in the desert of testing because the Holy Spirit was with him, comforting him, guiding him, gracing him, and anointing him just as he does for us. When, you're, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit in you. That's what the Bible says. At baptism in water, you might be baptized in the Holy Spirit as well. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you an opportunity for that in a moment. But we need to to look at one more scripture here that's really important if we want to have our our, uh, peace restored and walk in strong peace in in the world. 
First John 2, 15-17 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If someone loves the world, then love for the Father is not in them. Because all the things of the world, the desires of the old nature, the desires of the eyes, the pretensions of life, these are not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with all of its desires. Whoever does God's will remains forever. And Jesus told us that in Matthew chapter 7 as well. In that final day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, have I not done this and done that in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you because you didn't do the will of my Father. Oh my gosh, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? Don't be afraid. He is for you. He wants you to know the truth, and He wants you to walk in it. So don't be afraid to come in and get that stuff dealt with. If you have a love for the things of the world, then the things of the world can take control of you and steal the love of your, your love for Father God and steal your peace as well. But the world that we're speaking of here is that fallen nature. We don't have that fallen nature anymore. He has given us his nature so that we can overcome. There is another, um, I think, one more point I wanted to make. Oh, yeah. We need to go over here, though, to Philippians 4, 2, 5 through 11. Here's one of the keys to getting a hold of peace and hanging on to it. In Philippians, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, think like Jesus thinks. Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped and held on to. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in human likeness, spirit, soul, and body like you and me. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. This is why I worship him. If he didn't do it, I I wouldn't be here. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to to the glory of God the Father. So why does the devil work so hard to steal our worship? To make worship ho-hum or make it something that is just... Yeah, the music's kind of good this morning, but it's not that great. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. I want you to hear me carefully. Father God commanded us to worship Him and worship Him alone, not worship the things of the world. If you worship the things of the world, those things take control of you and steal the love for Father from your heart. That's what the Scripture said to us. And so... What, what we worship becomes bigger in our life. And this is why I come to church. Because the world is huge. The, the circumstances are out there are overwhelming. There are mountains and mountains to overcome. And if I focus on that stuff, I can quickly forget who I am. I am his precious son. So I focus on God and let God become bigger than those mountains. What you worship, what you surrender your will to, will eventually rule over you. And this is an important thing to understand with God. He's not trying to turn you into a little robot. But he wants your will in agreement with his will. Jesus said before he went to the cross, he said, Not my will, but your will be done. Amen? Are you with me? So what you surrender to will rule over you, and you want to surrender to God. You don't want to be surrendering to the the needs of this world or anything like that. You want to surrender to God because He is righteous in everything that He does. And finally, what you partner with takes control of you. That's what the Scripture says. If you give a little bit to the devil, he's going to take a mile. He's never satisfied until he gets it all. If you give a little bit to the Lord, like I did 30-some years ago, Lord, I receive your love. He eventually flooded my heart with how good he is and how wonderful he is. And he's taught me how to keep my eyes on Jesus, to fix my eyes on him, and to know him as the author and the finisher of my faith, and to walk in his ways, and to let him become my deliverer. I started out by telling you there were three things that we absolutely had to get. 
One was that we are no longer under the control of the prince of the power of the air, that we're delivered from our fallen nature. This is number two, because of Christ in me, the hope of glory. And number three, we are delivered from the wrath of God. First Thessalonians 5, 9 through 10 says this, For God has not intended that we should experience his fury or wrath, but that we should gain deliverance through our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, who died on our behalf so that whether we are alive or dead, we may live along with him. So right there it is. Those three things have to be set in your identity. You are not reserved for wrath. You are not under the control of the devil. And the nature of Christ's spirit, glory, the, the Christ in me, the hope of glory, those are the three things that keep me going. I want to leave you with this in John 16, 33. He says this, Jesus said, I have said these things to you so that united with me, you may have shalom. Remember, that's wholeness. In the world, you have tsuris, which is the Hebrew word that could not be translated with one English word. It means tribulation, affliction, anguish, burdens, persecution, and trouble. Well, thank you, Jesus, for pointing that out. I've got enough tsuras in my life right now that you could probably fill a few wagons with it. But don't forget the last words Jesus spoke here. By the way, it's not God's will for us to have tsuras in our life. He's just saying that's the way it is. Until this world surrenders to him, it's going to be full of that stuff. And here's what Jesus said. Be brave. I've conquered the world. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, you've given us your spirit to be brave, that without your spirit, we can't even be brave. Without your spirit, we can't even understand what we need. We can't even understand what deliverance looks like and and how it should be. Lord, without you, we can do nothing. I told you as I was doing this message that if you're not united with Christ, the way to do that is to simply believe in your heart, say with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord. That's the way you get saved. The way you get healed, delivered, and made whole is by coming to Him every day and developing that personal relationship with Him as your Messiah, your God, your Lord, everything that's on that list. He said that He would baptize us in His Holy Spirit and that power would come upon us. And He also said in Ephesians, Paul had this this, uh, insight in Ephesians, that we need to be being baptized, that it's not a one and done. So if you have been baptized in the Spirit, awesome. Are you engaging and being baptized on a regular basis? If you would like to join me right now in a first-time baptism in the Spirit, or you just want a renewal of the Spirit so that you can have that same Spirit that, uh, that walked in Jesus on this earth, I would like you to stand up and pray with me. Okay? And you don't have to stand up. You can pray right there in your seat. But I do encourage you to stand. And uh, thank you, Deb. And I want you to pray these words with me. Lord Jesus, you said if we ask anything in your name, it would be done for us. We now ask, Father God, in your name that you fill all of us anew with your Holy Spirit and with fire. Give us seeing eyes and hearing ears just as you had when you were on the earth. We want to speak what we hear our Father saying and we want to do what we see our Father doing just like you always did. We ask that the glory of God now in us by your Spirit be poured out on our souls and bodies that we would be transformed to think like you think and we would walk out our destiny in the same way you did we choose to partner with you Holy Spirit by your grace your freely given heavenly empowerment we will follow you 
We know that with you all things are possible. We believe this prayer is being answered now because we ask in Jesus' name. And all of you who believe without doubting say, Amen. So be it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Could the prayer team come forward? And uh, if, if you need any prayer in any of these things that I've mentioned so far, please don't hesitate to come up and uh, ask for some additional prayer. And don't walk away with anything left paid for that God wants you to have. Amen. And whatever you do, don't walk away with fear, false identity, or the thoughts that God's going to stamp you out. He's not. All those things are taken care of in Jesus. God wants to bless you, wants to fill you with life, wants to make you successful, wants to show you how powerful you are. You're pretty powerful people. Did you know that? You know, it was prophesied today. I knew this was happening in the first service. So exciting. It was prophesied that this would be a house of miracles, that this would be a house of healing, and this would be a house of love. Pastor Kurt is going to come home from, from Israel. He's going to be all pumped up about what God did with him in Israel. And he's going to find people who are all pumped up with what God did here. Amen? Amen. So God is with you. God is for you. Who can be against you? Uh, God bless you as you go forth to live as lights in God's kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.